Hello, you are listening to Nudge, the consumer psychology podcast with me, Phil Agnew. This is the second episode in our two-part series on pricing with Lee Caldwell. Lee is co-founder and partner at The Irrational Agency, where he applies behavioral economics to market research. His book, The Psychology of Price, which I highly recommend, is a must-read for marketers looking to improve their pricing strategies. To start today's show, I asked Lee about a story I'd read about Panasonic microwave ovens. Back in 1992, Panasonic decided to add a premium product to its line of microwave ovens. Two existing microwaves in the line were priced at $109 and $179. The new premium priced product was set at $199. Following the launch, Panasonic saw a huge shift in consumer behaviour, but not in the way that you might expect. You might think that consumers would shift from buying the middle option to the premium choice. After all, it only costs 10% more for a much better machine. But the opposite happened. Sales of the medium price 179 model jumped by 60%. What actually happened was consumers who previously bought the cheap model were now willing to pay $60 more on the mid-priced oven. I asked Lee if he could explain the psychology behind this. The podcast I'd like to recommend today is the D2C pod brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. The D2C pod is a podcast all about all the things direct to consumer. The hosts cover everything from starting, growing and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. If you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, this is a podcast for you. To start, I'd suggest checking out episode 318, which features the CMO of Feastables. So listen to D2C pod wherever you get your podcasts. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. It's like trying to remember the name of someone you've just met at a networking event. I've made this mistake before, introducing a colleague to my new friend Dan, only to find out his name was actually Ian. Being personal with your customers is important, but keeping on top of all that information can be very hard. That's where HubSpot's all-new service hub comes in. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. It's got an AI-powered help desk and an AI-powered chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. Plus, it never forgets a first name. All of that can help you scale support and drive retention and revenue. That means better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit hubspot.com slash service to do more for your customers today. The core idea of the decoy effect is that if you're selling two products, then people will, they'll try and trade off the benefits and features and price of the two products they'll try and figure out which one is better for them and quite often their the answer won't be clear it will it may be that you know one of them is a bigger pack but it's more expensive or one of them has perceived higher quality uh, but it's more expensive so there's some kind of dilemma the decoy effect is when you introduce a third product and introducing that third one into the mix really changes everything. It changes our psychological process of evaluating the products. Um, One example, which is not technically the decoy effect, but is the Goldilocks effect, is the idea that if I am selling two uh, 
let's say, let's use beer instead of wine. So I'm selling two different brands of beer. Let's say it's Carlsberg at uh, £1.19 a can and uh, San Miguel at £1.39 a can. There's a good chance that most people will go for the, the cheaper option, the £1.19. They'll think, well, there may be a slight difference, but it's not worth paying an extra 20p or an extra what 15% for. As soon as I then add a third can of beer in my store, so let's say that it's a, some kind of fancy craft IPA and it's £1.99, probably for a smaller can as well. The way people evaluate the, the range of beers changes. So instead of being two beers that I can easily, relatively easily compare in my head and decide what, uh, what one's better, I now have a range of beers. And in a range, you tend to gravitate towards the middle instead of doing the trade-offs. Because when you have to do trade-offs between three products, that's actually six possible different comparisons that you can have uh, between them. And so it starts to become much harder. And, it's, and as soon as you, you know, go up to five, six or ten products, then it becomes absolutely impossible to do all the trade-offs. So instead, we uh, integrate the whole range into a single picture. And in the case of these beers, I will probably start to think, well, I could go for the fancy special craft IPA uh, if I could stand the flavour of, uh, of hops, or I could go for the cheap discount beer at the bottom, or uh, more likely I'll go for something in the middle because, you know, most of us are kind of in the middle. We may not like to admit it. We may like to think that we're all, you know, very unique and extreme and special, but actually most of us do gravitate towards uh, the average in many ways. And going for the middle beer instead of the potentially cheap and nasty discount beer or the fancy pretentious uh, craft beer is a natural tendency for us. Once you know about the Goldilocks effect, you'll start to see it everywhere. So many of the goods and services we purchase have three distinct choices. There's economy class, business class, and first class. There's caged eggs, free-range eggs, and organic eggs. There's even the grand circle seats, royal circle seats, and the stools in theatres. These aren't coincidences. They are intentionally designed to make us spend more. But what's the science behind it? Why does it work? To answer that, I'll hand back to Lee. So that's, that's the Goldilocks effect, which is related. The original decoy effect is slightly different. And the decoy effect, let me give another example. Imagine that you are a, uh, you're selling crisps in the supermarket or, or uh, extruded corn snacks, as uh, the, some of them are known. Um, so you've got a um, packet or sharing pack of uh, Doritos Chili Heat Wave that uh, costs um, £1.79. And you've got a pack of own brand supermarket corn tortillas uh, spicy flavor for 99p but if doritos were to introduce a decoy product so it's it's called a decoy because you're not meant to actually buy it so let's say they introduce uh, this decoy so it's instead of chili heat wave it's uh, let's say dust flavor now chances are nobody probably wants to eat dust flavored tortilla chips although some of the ones in the market seem to fit into that category. But the the dust flavour ones are also priced at £1.79. So now what I'm doing is I can compare the own brand 
chips with the Doritos and they're kind of like neither of them is clearly better than the other they're each of them has its pros and cons the supermarket one is cheaper the branded one might be better uh, but when i compare the doritos chili heat wave to the doritos dust flavor well obviously the chili heat wave is is better um i mean nobody really wants to eat dust so i have one product that's clearly definitively superior to the other and then i have a third product that is debatably maybe superior maybe not to to each of the others so when i've got one product that's objectively better than a third product my mind naturally is attracted towards that one because it it definitely wins one of the battles one of the the two-way battles between the products on the shelves uh, and so the introducing the the decoy this dust flavored crisps will likely uh, bring something like uh, half to two thirds of the the sales from the uh, that w- would have gone to the supermarket owned brand towards the the branded product. Now, there's a slight nuance between the Goldilocks effect and the decoy effect. With Goldilocks, you're attracting buyers simply because most of us like the middle option. Buyers take the most expensive option as an anchor and adjust down, which makes the middle option seem like a better deal. This is why Panasonic increased the sales of its mid-range microwave after introducing a premium option. The decoy effect is slightly different though. The decoy option should never be bought. Unlike organic eggs or first-class seats, the option shouldn't be desired. Instead, it's simply used to nudge people towards a more expensive choice. I asked Lee for an example of the decoy effect in practice. One of the best known examples of this is uh, from Dan Ariely, who uh, uses the example of The Economist, uh, where there was a subscription to the online only edition for, I think, uh, $59 a year, a subscription to the uh, print only for um, $125, and a subscription to print and online also for $125. So the decoy in this case was the print only because it's the same price as print plus online and it's an inferior product because it doesn't include the online edition. And the, so you might think, well, why do they bother including it at all? It's, no one's going to buy it. Uh, but it's because it influences people towards the more expensive um, print plus online edition uh, because that's the the product that's most similar to the decoy and is definitively superior to the decoy so it changes the the pattern and in that in his example uh, it shifted something like 40 to 50 percent of sales um, from the online only to the more expensive combined product dan Ariely's example is over 10 years old but the economist still uses a similar nudge today Load up their subscription page on their website and you'll see two options now, digital or digital and print. Now, you'd expect the digital plus print option to be more expensive because you're getting two things, but it's not. The introductory price for both options, digital or digital plus print, is just £12 for 12 weeks. That makes the digital and print option seem like a great deal. After all, you're getting print for no extra cost. The trick is, it's just an introductory price. After 12 weeks, the digital and print option gets more expensive. But the decoy effect probably means most buyers won't even mind or even notice. 
We don't know how well this tactic works for The Economists, but considering they're still using it 10 years on, it probably means that we can guess that it continues to deliver pretty good results. Now, this is great for someone selling a product to a brand new buyer. But what about firms trying to increase their prices without putting off existing buyers? I asked Lee, and he talked me through something called hyperbolic discounting. Yeah, hyperbolic discounting is a bit of a fancy name for the fact that we're all very short-sighted in metaphorical terms. We are focused on here and now, um, and we put a lot of weight on the, our current experience, so what we get now and what we pay now, and we neglect what we will get and pay in the future. So classic example here is uh, you know DFS sofas. You are paying over three years in monthly installments, uh, and when you're paying £59 a month for your sofa, it might seem like it's not very much, but if you actually add it up, it's over £2,000. So it's much easier to pay for something in the future and to suffer the pain in the future than the pain right now, uh, because the the part of the brain that evaluates prices actually seems to be the same part that is activated when we undergo physical pain. So there is a, a, a quite specific effect of it that it actually hurts to take money out of my wallet. But yes, hyperbolic discounting allows, in, in some context especially, so for example, if you have a subscription model, it allows you to defer an increase in price. If I'm charging you £25 a month for your mobile phone and I want to sell you an upgrade, I could say, well, get this new phone and uh, you will either you know, pay £200 for the upgrade and keep the monthly price the same, or you can pay, uh, increase your monthly contract from £25 to £35. Both of those are are okay. Um, probably the increase in contract prices is likely to work better. But here's an even better way. Say I'm going to keep your contract price at 25 for the next two months and then it will go up to 35 or 39 or 45. And you get the upgrade now. So you're getting the benefit now and you're not having any of experiencing any of the pain right away. Wherever possible, you should push that extra bill or extra payment off into the future. It makes it easier to get people to commit to your increase in price without losing customers. Lee, in his book, states that hyperbolic discounting can encourage some customers to pay up to 50% more for a product if they can pay later. There's some great examples of hyperbolic discounting in action, and not all of them are just by deferring payment. To encourage people on their online gaming platform Origin, EA, Electronic Arts, offer free access to several games. Now, at a glance, this seems like a great deal. Rather than pay £20 for a new game, let's say it's, it's Sims, on my laptop, I can pay just £3 a month. £20 versus just £3 now. It seems like there's one great deal. As we all know, though, this model almost always benefits the seller and not the buyer. After a year, I would have spent £36 on my EA subscription, almost double what I would have spent on just buying Sims in the first place. Hyperbolic discounting is obviously helping EA in this example, but it's not the only nudge they're using. Lee in his book talks through the power of free, the idea that we are always more likely to choose an option that has a freebie attached to it, simply because we love free things essentially. 
I asked him to explain the power of free. The power of free is an interesting one. It does it does have a power. The main power that it has is it lowers your critical faculties. When you first encounter a product, if it's free, uh, or if it let's say there's it might be a pack of a multi-pack of something with two extra free bars or two extra free packets inside it, then things that are free we shouldn't need to think about. We should just take them, at least according to kind of rational economics. Uh, if it's free, there's no downside. I should just uh, grab this and, and walk away with it. Now, usually when you when something is free, uh, in, at least in the supermarket, it's because you have to buy something else to get it. So our more rational mind will kick in a few seconds later and say, okay, well, it's not really free or I, I have to buy this other product to get it. So am I willing to, to do that? In a way, the damage is done. It's a little bit like that anchoring idea. Once you've seen the the free sign and you, your mind has unconsciously started wanting the product, well, the seed is already planted. And then even if the rational mind joins in at that point, then it's it still has a, a desire to weigh up that might not have been there before. So free, in that sense, is a bit of an attention grabber. And I think there's, you know, this feeds into a bigger conversation about price differentiation and the idea that different customers are willing to pay different amounts uh, and you should be tailoring your products in, in multiple tiers so that the, the people who will pay least, um, you still capture those. But the people who are willing to pay more, you offer something better that will encourage them to upgrade and to uh, spend the extra money that they are willing to, to pay. So the, the, the free model is an essential part of, of that multi-tier conversation. I think my favourite example of this is one I've shared before, and it's from Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime was hugely successful when it first rolled out 15 years ago. Every new country they added, every new country they gave Amazon Prime to saw a considerable increase in sales and revenue. By making all of the delivery costs free, plus adding other freebies like TV shows and movies, consumers felt like they were getting a great deal. But in reality, Amazon simply hides the cost in the monthly subscription. However, one country didn't take to Amazon Prime like the rest of the world. In France, very few people purchased the subscription, and most who did cancelled after just a few months. Why? Well, it turns out that Amazon France was the only location that didn't offer delivery for free. Instead, they charged one cent per delivery. Now, this should make no difference to behavior, right? After all, one cent is a tiny amount of money to part with, really very different from just giving it for free anyway. But the power of free had a considerable nudge, and it wasn't until Amazon removed the one cent cost that Amazon France actually started to see sales grow. In today's show, we've covered how the decoy effect can help you increase revenue, how hyperbolic discounting can remove the pain from a price increase, and why freebies really do work. Now, this was the second part of my series with Lee. If you haven't listened to the first part, do go back and give that a listen. In there, you'll discover how to use anchors, if charm pricing really works, and the importance of product positioning. Lee was a great guest on the show, but he's also a very fantastic writer. For any marketers interested in understanding pricing psychology, please do pick up a copy of uh, Lee's book. I've put a link to his book in the show notes. 
Finally, if you haven't already done so, please do sign up to my mailing list. I'll send you an email every time a new episode goes live. And if you do, you'll be in with a chance of winning a copy of Lee's book. Next week, one lucky subscriber will be sent a copy. So sign up by clicking the link in the show notes to make sure you're not missing out. Anyway, that's all from me today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nudge. Thank you.